Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to the Podglomerate. For everything that you were too afraid to ask at home, too embarrassed to ask at school, or was just too hard to ask your partner, welcome to the Sex Wrap. Hi, everybody, and welcome to The Sex Wrap. You're here with Spring and Andrew. We are sex professors, and I like to call us sexperts, but we get in, we get in a little argument or, or discussion about this almost every time. But we are here, the important part, is we are here to answer your questions about sex, sexual health, relationships, anything really. I mean, we're just happy to chat with anybody at all. Uh, I mean, I kind of wish that when I was growing up, I had a resource like this where I could go ask people who actually knew like good answers. Cause I remember asking my friends about the stuff and they gave me bad answers. Um, so, uh, so like I'm grateful to myself and this is November. So we have to be grateful for things. So, um, welcome to November, everybody. Uh, and you know, we've sort of changed out our format where we've been like having clusters of topics together, really honing in. What are we talking about this month, Cooper? Consent, consent, yeah. consent, we, consent. We are really thankful for consent and we're going to be focusing this entire consent. month on various aspects of consent. Consent, consent, yeah. consent. It always kind of blows my mind because I think consent is the easiest consent, consent, thing consent. ever, but the rest of the world doesn't. So we're going to be talking about it a lot this month. A lot, which is good. Yeah, I'm psyched. I think that um, consent is like the easiest thing to talk about. And also it has the most complexity to a simple thing that is possible. I mean, and today the, the question that we're getting into um, is one that I think is the most difficult very frequently. Um, and it's about alcohol and consent. Right. Like, so how do I give consent if alcohol is involved or can you give consent if you've been drinking? So if you are under 21 uh, in the United States or if you're under 18 in most of the rest of the world uh, and you're not drinking, then this is a future thought episode for you thinking about what comes in the future. But if you are old enough to drink, um, consent changes with alcohol. And I thought it would be really interesting for us to start this month and to start this holiday season. Like all of the major world religions are moving into like holidays all over the place. And most holidays have alcohol. Um, and a lot of times alcohol and sex go together. And sometimes they don't go together very well. So hopefully, by the end of this episode, we can have you have alcohol and sex go together in ways that are appropriate for you if you drink. I also think it's important to say that neither Spring nor I are saying that you should drink. So if you don't like drinking, you don't want to drink, you don't have to drink, and you should love yourself. And, and we really uh, love that choice for you. So I think it's a really cool thing for us to talk about because when we're talking about 
drinking and consent. Um, we get into these issues of consent, and then we also get into these issues of um, how drinking changes that. And so I think it's a really nice um, intro into this uh, into this month of consent um, because we get to talk about a couple of different aspects and kind of look at um, how consent can change um, in different situations. And and you know I think that's like a really nice place to start because consent does change based on context. Like we know, for example, that if you've had sex with someone a lot of times, how you ask for consent and how you receive consent from that person are going to be very different than if it's someone that you are engaging in some sexual activity with for the first time. So the first thing that we know about consent is that context is very important and it's going to change what consent looks like. And so the context we're going to be uh, really digging into today and examining is how alcohol changes that context. And I think where we should probably start with that alcohol context is, is sex always non-consensual when people have been drinking, right? And, and this is something that I hear pretty frequently. Um, and some, like if you're at a university, some universities will even say this, like if anybody has been drinking, sex is non-consensual. And 100% we know that is not the case. Spring and I were actually reading interviews um, recently, and both men and women in the interviews were drinking on purpose in order to have sex with people that they wanted to have sex with, right? So like automatically... I mean, I have to say that like sex is not always non-consensual when you've been drinking. That's such a messy sentence. Like sometimes <laughs> people drink to have sex. So alcohol and sex can be consensual. There we go. Flipping the question around. Right. Because we know that um, sometimes people are nervous and they want to engage with something that's going to lower their inhibitions a little. So if someone, you know, you can imagine you've gone out with someone a couple of times and um, you've maybe even talked about it, you're ready to have some sexual activity, but you're feeling a little nervous. So someone you could imagine might decide to have a couple of drinks to eat some of that. And what Andrew was talking about, um, these interviews that we were reading were part of our research, um, a big research project we had done. And uh, the people in the study were saying, you know, that they were engaging in drinking alcohol for that reason, because, you know, they wanted to go out and have sex, but there's, you know, all of these things that might get in their way, like their brain. <laughs> Yeah. Their brain could be too uptight, right? Um, or it might feel like um, there's too much anxiety there. So people are choosing to try to shift that for themselves. Well, I mean, it, and I can talk about my, like in my past, like I'm not particularly socially awkward, but I am a little bit uptight. Um, I'm sure you can all tell. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, sometimes I would have a drink, not like not get sloshed or or wasted, but you know, just like lightly buzzed or lightly tipsy, because it takes some of the edge off. For me, it was almost like the social lubricant, and you know how much we love lube. Um, <laughs> and I mean, I don't absolutely like anymore, not necessary, but I'm in a long term relationship. Um, we'll talk about that a little bit later as well. But uh, for me, sometimes it was easier to communicate what I wanted when I had had a drink because all of the pressure, right, that I felt societally or all the taboo nature about sex, you know, it kind of it dulled that and let me be a little bit more honest uh, with, with partners. Um, but that's not always the case, right? Alcohol does change the way that you interact with people around you. Um, it makes you really bad at a lot of things too. Um, like if you have been drinking, you are worse at communicating ideas, 
like you're just worse at communicating in general. Like uh, you get sloppy with communication. You're not as good at like saying exactly what you want or think or feel. So it can get in the way. It can make it really hard to convey consent as well, right? So like while alcohol doesn't necessarily mean you can't give consent, it can make those cues much harder for you to understand and, and to communicate. And, you know, it can also shift um, how we are perceiving other people's communication. Mm -hmm. So it might make you um, less good at boundaries. It might make you, you know, more likely to be touching or kind of all over somebody. Um, And you might not be able to tell that they feel uncomfortable with that. Um, So I would say that, you know, we're talking about like, okay, it doesn't mean that you can't give consent, but also it's going to make it more complicated. And also um, you need to be aware of that in advance, right? You need to know like, okay, it might be harder for me to read cues. It might be harder for me to communicate. And so you could even talk about that with someone beforehand. Like, you know, if you know you're going to go out, you're going to have some drinks and you're planning on having sex with that person and you want to talk about that beforehand and say, okay, well, how how can I communicate with you in advance some of these things I might need to tell you um, if possible, right? Because we know <laughs> the reasons that people are drinking might be because it's hard for them. So maybe it's not possible to have some of these conversations in advance. But if it is possible, I'm going to encourage that, right? Because because when we can communicate clearly, that's the best way to communicate. And but in the communicating clearly in this case is asking questions along the way, right? Like you want to make sure that it's more than just like, do you want to have sex? You want to say, do you still want to have sex? Or are you still having fun? Or what comes next? Um, so you just want to be in it and asking those questions along the way. And if you're good about asking those questions, and if the other person is good about responding to them, right? And we're talking about tipsy level here. We're not talking about being wasted. Um, like at, at this point, like you can drink alcohol and give consent and have a really good time. But to do it, you really need to be thoughtful and you need to check in and just keep doing check-ins with the other person and with yourself, right? You should also be asking yourself like, is this something I really want? Is this the situation that I want to be in? Am I having fun? Am I having sex for reasons that make sense for who I am? Um, and if it's no, that's when it's okay for you to bow out and be like, hey, hold up, I'm not really feeling this, I'm not vibing, whatever language you want to use. Um, But I think that takes us to that second important question that we need to answer. And that is, how much do you need to be drinking in order to not be able to give consent? So how much can you drink to not be able to give consent? And I like talking about this in terms of buzzed, drunk, and wasted. Uh, So people will talk about like how many drinks or how many shots, and that's really messy. Um, cause at the end of a night, most of the time people don't know, um, I like to turn it into like, are you tipsy? Are you drunk? Or are you wasted? If you are tipsy, you are usually completely able to give consent. And tipsy means that you're still there. You're still able to have conversations. You still have full memory of what's going on. Um, your personality is still intact. You're not necessarily slurring your words or anything like that. Um, and then there's drunk where you're kind of messy and then you're wasted and wasted for me is you're going to have either a really bad morning the day after, or you might not remember everything that's going on and it changes, but I'm not who you should be going to, right? You should look at the state that you're living in. uh, If you're in the United States or the country that you're living in, if you're not in the United States, because all of the States and all of the countries around the world actually have a bunch of different laws about incapacitation. 
right? And what that means. And it changes. For me, incapacitation has a very specific meaning. But depending on where you live in the world, it really changes. So making sure that you understand the context of where you are. But um, for me, when I think about drinking, like how much can you drink to not be able to give consent? And that's to the point where you're messy and slurry. What do you think, Spring? Well, I mean, it's it's really hard to know in that moment, I think, um, how drunk you are sometimes. Um, so part of it is uh, you kind of need to be able to um, set something up in advance when you know you're going to be drinking and say, okay, um, how how can I test myself to know that I'm sober enough to give consent? Um, and you could like have a friend you're going to check in with, um, or you could, um, I'm not sure what all the answers are for this, but like there might be some levels that, you know, like, Oh, if I can still, um, you know, have a conversation about a work topic or something like that, it like requires a lot of brain power or something, right? Like maybe you test yourself in different ways so that you, um, feel like you are thinking clearly enough to make that decision. Um, but the other thing is you want to be um, doing that with the other person as well. So you want to be checking to make sure that the person that you're thinking of engaging in sexual activity with, that they can communicate clearly, that they're coherent, that they're not slurring their words, that um, if you could ask them, you know, like, oh, can you remind me what that project was about that you were talking about earlier, you know, and see if they can like hold a conversation and talk to you about it. And like it. It's kind of thinking about knowing um, where your limits are between like buzzed and drunk and and trying to assess some of these cues that you feel like might work for you. And if you have any doubt about any of those questions for yourself or for that other person or multiple people, if that's what you're doing, you don't want to have sex, right? Because if somebody is past the point where they're coherent, where they're not communicating clearly, um, if you if they don't seem like they know what's going on around them, that means that they do not have the mental facilities to fully give consent. Right. So like if you and, and it's not like, well, maybe it's like if you have any doubt at all, this is the, the, the firm point where you say like this person cannot give consent. Right. Because they have incapacitated themselves with alcohol. And if you have sex with somebody who's incapacitated with alcohol, they have not given you consent. It actually fits the definition of rape and sexual assault in most countries. Um so like, and it's about using your best judgment. And the problem with alcohol, right, is that often your own best judgment is pretty watered down or the opposite is pretty juiced up. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know that your judgment is clouded when you've been drinking. So that's, again, why we're encouraging you to both think and talk about these things before you've been drinking, because the more clear thought you put into this in advance, the better off you're going to be later. All right. So, spring, we need to take a short break, but when we get back, we'll continue talking about alcohol and consent. Thanks for listening, everyone. All right. Welcome back to The Sex Wrap. Today, we're talking about alcohol and sex, two of my favorite things. Um, I'm going to share something about Spring that a lot of you probably don't know, but uh, Spring and I used to go out drinking and we still go out drinking, but she no longer drinks alcohol. She has chosen that for her life, it's it's she's happier and healthier without it. And I think that's lovely. Congratulations, Spring. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> yeah, I think it's been 
I don't even know how long it's been, maybe like three or four years now. Um, but yeah, I feel happier when I know I'm going to wake up with a clear head and I feel happier when I know that I'm going to remember everything that I said and all the interactions that I had with my friends. Um, so yeah, that's just a choice I don't like to uh, engage with anymore, but also I'm around it a lot. I'm around, you know, a lot of friends um, and other people that like to drink. And, and, you know, I think, I think it's, you know, it's an interesting thing to talk about when we're talking about this, because it does like um, people's relationship with alcohol changes over time. And, um, and, you know, I would encourage you to constantly be checking in with how, how you're feeling about that. Yeah, I, I said, I was gonna say, I know so many people who drink alcohol end up like hungover and miserable or get angry all of the time. And I wish they had your level of reflection where there's something about this that isn't good for me and either cut back or don't do it. But I mean, I mean, part of the show, right, is we want everybody to be having reflective experiences on sex and alcohol and drugs and whatever else is going on in your life and making sure that it makes sense for you. The best thing, though, about Spring is she's like a not like, right. So I'm a vegetarian. You all know this. But if you go out to dinner with me, I want you to eat whatever you want. Spring doesn't drink alcohol anymore. But when you go out with her, she's happy for you to drink whatever you want. Right. It's about what's good for you and not being pushy on other people. Yeah. And speaking about being on pushy on other people, let's keep talking about consent. Right. <laughs> so there's a situation that happens pretty frequently where you go out with somebody and they say they don't want to have sex with you. And that's fine. But then they start drinking. And then all of a sudden they say they do want to have sex with you. What do you do? Yeah. I mean, I think that one is um maybe the biggest like a uh, flashing red flag you know where we can say okay this is a time where we need to really uh stop and talk <laughs> because um it could be that they are still a no somewhere and they are trying to push past it right now that they've had some alcohol and their inhibitions are lowered a little bit, whatever the reason was for the no before is likely still there in some way. So I think having a conversation about, okay, what, what made you change your mind? You know, what were you feeling before? What are you feeling now? Um, and not to try to convince someone one way or the other, but so you'd kind of know what's going on and you might be able to understand that. Um, but yeah, I think that one is where we really want to be really careful because I, you, I, I think my concern would be: is this person um, fully able to give consent now? If they had, if they had changed their mind, they had said no before, and now they're saying yes, I would be worried that that wasn't a real yes. Yeah, I mean, in this case, when this when this was my life. Uh, when I was still dating, I would let's go to a diner and drink coffee and water and iced tea until you sober up a little bit to make sure that this is something that you actually want. Um, and this happens pretty frequently. And it's messy, right? Like this is alcohol and consent is messy because there are some people who drink in order to be able to give consent. But there are some people who drink and then, you know, they lose their inhibitions and they lose some of that cognitive function and self-awareness. Um, and that's when it's really important to say, like, you said no earlier. I'm going to stick by that no, because I want to respect your sober wishes, which are probably a lot more relevant than your drunk wishes. Um, so I, I mean, 
my advice would be, you know, hang out with that person, chill with that person, cuddle with that person, drink lots of water, take some ibuprofen with that person, have them sober up a little bit, and then revisit with the same kind of questions that we've been talking about. Check in with that person. Um, and the thing is, if they did want to have sex with you and they said no at first and then they said yes, then when they get drunk, as they sober up, if they say yes again, then you know it's it's really genuine. But just be really careful. Um, you should never try to coerce somebody into having sex with you, right? If you're buying someone drinks so that they'll have sex with you, if you're trying to get someone drunk so that you can have sex with them, all of these are breaches of consent, right? That's not what consent is about. Consent is not about getting someone drunk. Um, and like Spring said, like this is a situation where you just need to be really, really careful um, and make sure that you're not coercing somebody, that you're not using alcohol instead of consent to have sex. And when we're talking about being careful, the reason we're saying being careful is not so you don't get sued. It's not so, you know, something like that doesn't happen. It's so that you are being careful with people around you in your life that you're interacting with because you want them to be fully able to consent and to say that they fully wanted to be a part of whatever you're doing with them. And that like taking that care is important both for you and for your interactions as you move through life. And so it's really like how, how careful can you be with making sure everyone's happy and healthy. Like, I don't, I don't think you can be too careful with that. Like it, it's important and it's important for, um, for the next morning. It's important for the next week and it's important for the rest of your life. And like, one thing we do know is that regrets around sexual activity can haunt people for years for the rest of their life. These are the kind of actions that have long-term consequences. And we're not, like Spring said, this is not necessarily legal consequences. We're not talking about lawsuits and criminality. We're talking about like, what kind of person am I and what did I do? Um, so like that, that carefulness, like will also save you from lawsuits, right? Like there's, there's that, if you're careful, then those things aren't going to happen either. But the primary concern for Spring and I is about your well-being, your sex well-being, and all of your partners over your lifetime sexual well-being, especially if you're drinking alcohol. Um, let's make this more complicated. <laughs> Up the ante. Up the ante. All right. You're in a long-term relationship with somebody. Does alcohol change consent in that relationship? And we know many people in long-term relationships have lots of sex without ever having real conversations about consent anymore. Like, we hope you're asking, like, do you like this? Is this good? Do you want more or like, you know, like checking in kind of questions? But what happens when you're in a relationship when explicit consent is no longer the norm? Well, I mean, we had a whole episode about like where we were talking about these vibes and we were talking about, you know, how that changes in a relationship. And I think we have a similar answer here where um, you know your partner and if you and your partner regularly drink you also know kind of some of the patterns that happen between you when you're drinking and so yes you can drink and have sex and you should still check in and yes it could still be a sexual assault or a rape if someone is unable to give consent even in a relationship so so do you still have to be just as careful I would say, of course, I would say you 
you have more invested with that person, I would be more careful. Yeah. And I mean, that carefulness looks a little bit different here, right? But it's those checking questions and making sure that everything is okay. And it's always good to ask if somebody wants to have sex. It's like, it's always good to, to preface it. And like, if you've been drunk with that person, you know, a hundred times and you've had great sex drunk a hundred times and it's your hundred and first, you should still check in and ask questions and make sure that everything is okay. Um, it's about building that into your relationship all together. Um, and I know that there are still people in relationships who drink in order to facilitate sex and remove inhibitions, but it's always good to have that checking in. Um, but it's complicated, right, inside of those relationships because consent does look different. And we're going to be talking about consent all month long. We'll get a little bit more into like explicit uh, consent and relationship-based consent. Um but it's really about building that sort of relationship where those check-ins are a natural part of what's happening. Um, but we do know a lot of sexual assault and sexual violence happens within the context of relationships. So if you don't want to be one of those statistics, make sure that you're checking in and that make sure that you're asking those questions and make sure that that consent is actually there through all of those various acts. And not that's not victim blaming. That's not saying that it's your fault if those things still happen. Um, we're just offering um, additional things in the toolbox to really try to keep relationships healthy. So the last thing that I think that we should talk about today, I'm talking about drinking a lot. Um, I feel like I need a happy hour. Anyway, <laughs> um, so uh, the place where I think it's probably the most complicated, um, right, we're going to ratchet it up one more time, is what if everybody has been drinking? What if everybody is drunk? What happens in terms of consent if there are two really drunk people who decide to go have sex? Like, what do we do in this instance? What does consent look like? Can there even be consent? I mean, I'm just going to say... I'm, I'm going to say employer friends. I'm like, I love this. I used to do this when I was younger. Um, I would like before, if I'm going to a party with people, like I would make sure that my friends and I are checking in at the end of the night. We're checking in with each other before we leave, before we go do anything. Um, and this, this is not exactly what we're talking about here, but I want to remind you that when we're saying like, okay, uh, these two people or these three people or whatever are going to engage in sex and they've all been drinking, um, there's still other people around usually, or there's other people, you know, at the end of your phone, at the end of your fingertips. Um, and so there is like, yeah, all the people here have been drinking and can we make good decisions? I'm not sure. But like also you have other people you can reach out to. And I think I think this is a great way to like help check in. Like if you can call your best friend and say like, hey, I'm thinking of doing this and they they likely know a lot about you, know what some of your priorities are, know what you sound like when you have been drinking more or less and can help you kind of navigate some of those things sometimes. I, I'm a big fan of um, pulling in friends for support and for other Texans as well. I mean, that's exactly what we should be doing. You should be making the people around you who love and understand you, um, who you have honest conversations uh, about the sex that you 
have or want to have with, you know, be a part of that overall process, not the sex part, but uh, unless you want them there, um, but all of the pieces that lead up to it. Um, so if we're talking about uh, drunk sex, right, and this is the, the part where we say like everybody is drunk, um, there are a lot of laws in states about it saying one of the people is responsible and one of the people is uh, the person who's going to be the assaulter and one of the persons going to be the assaultee. And uh, most of the laws in the United States about this, um, it's about the person who initiated the sex. And by that, most of the time in heterosexual relationships, it's the person who's doing the penetration, even like in, in, in uh, gay male uh, relationships as well. It's the person who's doing the penetrating is the person who's considering, who's considered to be the person who's initiating sex. Um, and in these cases, most of the time it is considered sexual assault or rape because if everybody is drunk, nobody is able to give consent, which means that there is definitely something going on um, in terms of, you know, rape, sexual assault. Uh, but it's really hard sometimes as well because we know in many instances all parties are getting drunk in order to have sex and this is one of those times where if you are planning to get drunk and if you know the person that you're planning to have sex with is also getting drunk start out at the beginning of the night with a conversation of what you think is going to happen where you want it to go make sure that everything is okay make sure that you check in along the way but even if you do that if everybody's drunk right and now i'm getting to the point and like remember i said tipsy drunk and wasted like if everyone's messy like how can you actually ever be sure that that person at that moment wants to have sex with you it's just really really complicated you can't that's the and the short answer is you can't you can't yep. ever be totally sure and and that's why we're having this conversation right because when you can't be totally sure that's that's then your decision you know do you still think this is a good idea and um usually it is not like this this sexual activity could never happen ever again. It's usually, you know, this could happen even the next morning when, when people sober up, right? So I think that whenever you're on that line and you feel like, oh, I'm not sure I'm able to consent, I'm not sure they're able to consent, um, sleep on it. Like I think, and I think that is a really nice compromise because you often, it's often this late at night situation and it's often, um, you would be engaging in some sexual activity and likely staying at least a little while. So why not just say, let's cuddle, let's hang out. And then when you sober up in the morning, then see what you want to do. Right. So I think there are other ways to think about, okay, um, it could be tomorrow morning or it could be, you know, next week or another time, but it, doesn't have to be like, oh, this is never going to happen. It's like, okay, maybe, maybe it's just not right now. And I have to say, right, from experience, if you are very drunk, the sex is probably A, not going to be very good. B, you might not even remember it. Like, there are a lot of other better things that you can do. Like if you are really drunk and you don't think that you or your partner can give consent, the sex isn't going to be good anyway. So wait until that you till a time when you're in a headspace and a physiological space, make sure your body is feeling good. Um, it's just not, it's just not worth it. it. It is not very fun and you're probably not going to remember it and you probably won't even orgasm and you're probably not going to use a condom and you're going to put yourself and your partner at risk for STIs and pregnancy. Like, 
It's just most of the time, if everybody's drunk, you're headed towards a not fun party. A not fun party. A not fun party. (laughs) A not fun sex party. Yeah. So today on The Sex Wrap, we have some confusing responses to a complicated situation because we know people do get drink alcohol in order to facilitate them having sex and that it is a normal part of American, European, Australian culture for that to happen. Um, B... What's our B? I forget. Have I been drinking? No. Uh, (laughs) It's complicated, right? And and the real key, if I was going to sum up this whole episode, is checking in, right? Checking in with your friends as well, getting them in on the line. And if there's ever a point where you feel like somebody's just a little bit too out of it, don't have sex with them. It's it's that simple. And um, and I think the overall uh, answer... (laughs) You know, we always say communication is the answer. And um, here it's just that the communication um, is not doesn't have the same ability behind it. Right. So that's why we're advocating for earlier communication and and more often communication as well. So when you have been drinking more check ins, more, more, more is this okay? Do you still want to do this? Um, so that you can get as much clarity as you possibly can. All right. Anything else to say about alcohol and consent? Thank you for quest- the, the, these questions, listeners. We really appreciate when you submit them. Um, Spring and I have been wanting to answer this one for a long time. So we're glad uh, that it's November, moving into holiday season. We are both thankful for consent. Um, and I think we need to start practic- practicing consent in a lot more areas of our life. Uh, not just sex, lots of other areas we, we need, to be do, need to be doing consent, like a, I saw a daycare where like they ask the kids whether they want like a hug or a handshake or a pat on the back or an elbow bump. It's like, I wish I had those options, but we'll be talking about lots of consent all month long. Bumping elbows. Bumping elbows. Hey, Andrew, can I give you a virtual elbow bump? Let's do it into the camera. Oh, yeah. all right. <laughs> Well, thank you for listening, everybody. Um, you could elbow bump us with whatever device you're listening. Um, if you have any questions about this episode, any follow-up questions, or any other questions about relationships or sexual health, feel free to reach out to us. You can send us an email. We're thesexwrap at gmail.com. You can call us at 413-I-RAPID. And you should definitely check out our social media, uh, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at The Sex Rap. Thanks for listening. Rap with a W. For everything that you were too afraid to ask at home, too embarrassed to ask at school or just too music for this episode provided by the ever elusive and mysterious breakmaster cylinder the podglomerate a sonic universe